We are offering freelance services in data analytics, machine learning, audio engineering, and web development. Feel free to check out our website services section to see our portfolio and what we can do. And book a call with us to discuss your data challenges. We'll be happy to help you out. This is Data for Future. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to Data for Future. Welcome back. Super happy about our new episode. This is number 45. And today I'm super, super excited about what we'll be talking about. My guest is Corey Stegert Pace. And uh, he is a AI developer advocate at Pelterian. And apart from that, a podcast host himself at the Makers Show, where he speaks about AI powered products. And well, I would say generally a very active member of AI community. You organize uh, machine learning meetups in Stockholm, Sweden. And so very active member of, of this sphere. And so today we'll be talking about the democratization of AI. Super interesting topic. And yeah, welcome to our show, Corey. It's very nice to have you here. Yeah, thanks. For, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be number 45. Uh, great number. Michael Jordan's return number. So there we go. And <laughs> super impressed as well to, to be a part of all of the other previous episodes and uh, what the stories you're telling. So it's super nice. Amazing, amazing. Well, I'm sure you have more things to say. Like, um, probably you would like to make an introduction for yourself. You could maybe explain us what exactly do you do? What does it mean to be an AI developer advocate? Yeah, that is a great question that I, I find out every day. Uh, I try to find a better answer for it. But I think um, it's interesting because the company I work for, uh, Pelotarian, uh, we have built a no-code AI platform. So technically, uh, you don't need to be a developer to uh, work on the platform. So my title is a funky one where I'm a developer advocate, but mainly it's just a great title because I advocate for users, but mainly I end, my main purpose is to make sure that people are getting something from the platform and the platform is giving mm -hmm. something to them. So, uh, you know, if they, one, they understand what problem they want to solve on the platform using AI and deep learning models, uh, that, two, that we have the ability and the tools to do that, and three, also the knowledge and know-how and how-tos and things like that uh, for them to do that. So I, I do a lot of work within the community, uh, building content, and also building connections to different other systems, uh, whether they're app builders, no-code app builders, or uh, places where data live, because it makes it super easy to work with AI if you can make a connection there. So those are probably my main goals. Uh, but ultimately, like I said, it's just to make sure that people are getting value from the platform. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so maybe you could describe to us a bit more what the platform is. How does it work? Yeah. Uh, so well, our main goal is to, uh, as the episode title says, is to democratize AI. Uh -huh. And I, I like or don't like that kind of phrasing because it's it's easy to get away with not actually explaining what that means. So I guess yeah. to Peltarian and to uh, the, the logo of democratizing AI, it really is the understanding and idea that people who are close to the problem, uh, whether that's a business problem, a personal problem, or you know, building a company, should have the ability to also work with AI. Um, so traditionally, in, in, I guess in an enterprise world, you would need a, a data science team, uh, and maybe even data engineering team or a machine learning engineering team to get some sort of AI projects done. And that really is a uh, congestion of, of skill set. Uh, 
So we have developed this platform to anyone that has some data that they uh, are you know, connected to the problem they want to solve and they believe that AI can be a solution to that, can upload their data to mm-hmm. the platform uh, and do a visual process, build an AI model. We have some pre-trained models within the platform to make things easier and ultimately mm-hmm. get some results and be able to sort of connect that into some sort of business pro- process or product that they are developing. Um, so we really want to uh, be able to have people that understand, have some you know expert level knowledge in, in uh, or their day-to-day processes of problems being able to actually enable themselves to develop AI and to ultimately build some sort of solutions to that. Mm-hmm. That's super interesting. You already mentioned a couple of things which I would like to dive deeper into. For example, no code uh, is one of the buzzwords. And actually, I would, first I would like to have a counter question. You know, when you say d- democratized AI, I mean, today we all use AI anyway, even without knowing it. Right. So, for example, if you if you like on your phone, if you type the words and there is this thing called I think it's called Swift key or something like that, where it it guesses the next word that you're going to type so you can autocomplete. That's already AI or chatbots that help users navigate the websites or and the list goes. It's endless. So if we use this kind of AI that we use already without even knowing it, would you say this is an example of democratization? I, I think so, but I would also disagree a little bit with that too, because uh-huh. one of the things about democracy, if we want to get really political, is like it's a participating, right? You go out a vote or yeah. you express your rights. So something you're doing active. And I think that's mm-hmm. what's interesting about the world of AI. And it's a really great point to, you said about the, the phone is that sometimes you're using AI and you don't know it. Because uh, on the flip side is that that sometimes AI is using you and you don't know it, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so like yeah. you, could, you apply for a job, for instance, and there's some sort of AI scanning your res- CV or yeah, resume uh, to determine if you're going to be a better fit for the job. And so that is like what AI is. And I think I always use the counterexample mm-hmm. of the internet because people get the internet. Like you log on mm-hmm. to your favorite social networks and you participate or at least you view something and you're actively logging in and logging out where AI doesn't have those type of capabilities. So I think the democratization of AI AI is this like actually someone participating in the AI process or logging mm-hmm. into AI uh, rather than you know AI simply being done to you or you're a, a point in some sort of someone's data set and you yeah, don't yeah. know it. So that's, uh, I think, the differences between hey, AI just purely existing and providing solutions and democratizing AI. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. So it's, it's more like about actually developing models for I yourself, so. for your own personalized needs. For yep. your use or case. your business, uh-huh. yeah, whatever, yep. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing. I actually thought about, uh, would you say it's like a WordPress? So, for example, in in the, in the internet, you know, you can build a website without writing a code, uh, and the WordPress would be one of the or or there are several services that allow for that. Would it be something like that? Yeah, I really love the uh, the WordPress uh, example as being uh-huh. a connection to us because, uh, you know. Even with WordPress, you still need to have some sort of technical knowledge. At least, you know, you can't just go to WordPress.com. There's still some like, you know, you need to make posts and maybe tags and you kind of have an understanding. And we're very much aligned with that same idea that you don't necessarily need to be an AI expert. And we provide a lot of uh, beginner AI knowledge with outside of the platform, but on our site for people to get up to speed. So we have uh, a course called like Faster uh, AI. 
uh, where you can mm-hmm. learn what, what AI model is, how to tackle AI problems, and things like that. But ultimately, when you get to the platform, you know, you should have some sort of data. Uh, we have some free data sets so you can get understanding how the platform works, but you still need to have some knowledge to get up and running and really get the most benefits of the platform. So I really like, yeah, the, the WordPress analogy because it's uh, also very similar to uh, our product where it's, again, you don't need to develop or code anything, but uh, mm-hmm. it's good if you have some sort of base or foundation knowledge as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's super, super interesting. I mean, I imagine we're very at the very early stage, right, of, of this process of democratization. I mean, for the internet, it took how many, maybe a decade or two? I, I'm not sure when yeah, WordPress some, was some developed. Some may be saying we're still democratizing the internet. I don't know. We're still or, democratizing. Or anti-democratizing the internet, depending on who you're talking about, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, where would you say are we right now in terms of how democratic our machine learning is in general? Well, I definitely think we're at the the dawn of uh, or the beginnings of what I call like the to- the tooling revolution of AI. So you know they have what we call AI winter, where you know there's different phrases in the world of AI where uh, it was a, not a very popular word to say because either it failed on promises uh, of what AI could do, and you know then they put people people put AI in things and it failed, and then they said no, we don't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where we're at now is that there's a uh, a lot of um, maturity and sophistication on the research of AI, uh, where we have a few. Uh, not a few, but quite a lot, actually, established type of AI models that we find are highly productive and highly accessible mm-hmm. for, one, the amount of data that you might need to train them on or uh, get some sort of benefit from. And thus, that opens up a whole new world of building tools upon those models uh, to increase accessibility. And I think that's a very uh, still in the very early stages. There's other companies out there like us, but it, now it's just uh, determining of how simple can you make it uh, or how effective can you make it and you know who is going to be you know using this product the most uh, and who gets the best value from them i think and that mm-hmm. is a, a question that's always up in the air and i think that'll be the next level of this sort of tooling revolution in the world of ai uh-huh well actually maybe before we move any further why should we even care about this like wh- why why is that important that did that ai becomes accessible in yeah. your own view. Well, I think, you know, the, the problems that we face now and there, I think, you know, if I want to say high level, those global problems that, you know, we mm-hmm. as a, even a human civilization have never faced before. And there's things that are not going to be sort of scalable in the ways that we have done them in the past, because we have now mm-hmm. massive amounts of data accessible to us through services like the internet uh, and other services that we just produce data from. And to be able to process and use that data to actually solve some problems uh, is, again, you can't just write a, a computer program and to do this easily. Uh, so there will need to be some sort of level of automation and AI uh, to be able to process the data and actually give us some insights and predictions that will be important to us uh, now and also in the future when we're looking at things. Uh, so I think it's mm-hmm. really super important for people to get involved as soon as possible because I think that will touch uh, every type of you know, job or profession out there, just much like the internet has, uh, you know, hmm. in the last two decades. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Actually, a lot of times, if you listen to most influential figures in 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 the world of machine learning, like Andrew Ang, for example, many people say that there are still so many undiscovered applications of AI that can make this world a better place, like right now, in terms of climate change, in terms of many social problems that we 
that we're trying to tackle in the world. I guess this would be also one of them. Or I guess it would be the reason as well for 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 us to to give access to to AI to the general public to to more specialists that might might have a lot of expertise in certain fields I imagine but not maybe in the field of of coding and and deep learning or or or, or anything like that yeah and so I, that I would definitely help do a lot. think that's great I mean. There's almost like three levels of accessibility with AI for now. Um, I mean, AI is still a very mathematical pursuit, so it's having that knowledge. Uh, but then you have to put this new other layer of, oh, you should learn Python, which is like a coding language, which, mm -hmm. you know, if you had uh, become a mathematician, dedicate your whole life to mathematician your whole life, and then now you have decided, now I need to learn this coding language. And then after that, it's, okay, uh, getting the AI knowledge itself and then deploying that. Uh, so there's still three layers that need to be sort of broken down before many people or the you know, general public can use it. And, you know, yeah. our aim at Patarin is to knock some of those barriers down as well. Yeah, obviously. I mean, for me, I started from zero to learn to learn Python and AI. I didn't study this, just that I studied by myself. And it's, it's not easy. I mean, no. <laughs> I think anyone can do that, but it takes a long time. And actually, I'm, I was thinking of one course that I did. It's called Fast AI, which yeah. is kind of an attempt for people to make it more accessible so that you don't have to code everything yourself and you just can write a couple of lines of code. But you still need to learn to know a lot of Python. It's still not as customizable if, as you would like it sometimes. And and yeah, I think there's still a lot of work to be done. So how, how do you imagine the world of, you know, accessible democratic AI? Let's say... Something, something like with the internet today. How how do you imagine this 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 world to be? Yeah, that's a good question. It, I guess it sort of depends on you know what what part of the world we're talking about. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess in the world of your know, professional work, it, I think there will be just like many people use Office suite products like Word or Excel or the equivalents of Google. Uh, you will also have a AI related product to that uh, where mm -hmm. you are you know, putting in the data maybe from these other sources like, you know, uh, Excel or um, Google Sheets and you're getting predictions back and you are having at least some knowledge of how to either, you know, tune or fine tune that or what is, you know, good performance so that you can end up deploying or feel comfortable with that going forward. So I think we will all be sort of uh, wizards in that sense of uh, crafting mm -hmm. some sort of AI and uh, making that a uh, part of our uh, daily work because solving Problems that, you know, like you said, we don't even know our use cases at the moment, mm -hmm. uh, but someone that, you know, has a very specialized and uh, even niche skill set or niche specialty could, you know, find a lot of value into doing that. So I think that's what the world will look like is that we just have another uh, sort of app and maybe even not just a specific app, but it's just built into everything else. Uh, I think uh -huh. we're getting through that now. Uh, but, you know, we again, like I said, it's not really a participative AI processes mm. that, oh yeah, that, here's my prediction or here's my, you know, key suggestion for, you know, what's, what's the word suggestion. But I think there'll be a later on where we can all take an active um, participation in, in that type of work. Mm -hmm. It's super interesting just to imagine how, how it would be. Can you imagine some kind of, you know, for example, right now we have internet, we have different websites, each one with, it, with its own, I don't know, it's a blog, it has its own goal or some kind of problem that it's trying to solve or a need that it's trying to fulfill for someone else maybe like can you imagine something like that in the future you know you could just go there and for each specific use case you can find 
already a built system that that can can solve the problem yeah i hope it's not too far in the future because that's what we're sort of aiming to do at peltarian so uh -huh. <laughs> yeah you know that's you know the idea is that you know we will be your uh your shop for ai solutions or you know again you take your data we have some pre-trained models on the platform mm -hmm. and ready to to go and really get some results uh that will be effective for you yeah yeah definitely <laughs> and so yeah tell us more about how you know, how is your day-to-day? -day? What do you work on in, in Pelterian? How does this democratization process go? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess from the, I, I always tell my manager, I'm, I'm filling buckets every day. And then uh -huh. uh, at the end of the week, I empty all the buckets and I, I go back and start filling them again. And I guess, you know, one of the buckets that I, I primarily fill is the community bucket. So uh, one is that we are really kind of embracing this, also a buzzword, as you mentioned, no-code revolution. Mm -hmm. um, which is, I think, a very interesting community to be involved with because uh, they are enabling um, people to uh, build applications and people that you know never thought they would have the the skills or resources to do so, uh, but they can now build you know fully functioning and you know very slick and very effective applications, whether they're web applications, mobile applications, things like that. And mm -hmm. you know, with AI and our platform, you know, it's great if you can build a model uh, for you know, on the platform, but the real value is when you have that in an actual product or an actual business process. Mm -hmm. So working with that community, because everyone's sort of really geared to building products and it's super accessible for them, it's just a really a, a great match to what we're trying to do uh, with AI. And there's obviously some education to get mm -hmm. the people to think, you know, oh, great, I can build a web application. Uh, but that AI thing is like super serious and that's something I still ever get to be able to do. But then once they actually get introduced to the platform and how easy it is to work with, uh, then they, they start to get ideas of what they can actually do with AI and the platform. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's super nice to find, see that sort of process go on uh, to the, you know, sort of individuals we spoke to and work with. Super interesting. Like what, what are the... What are the challenges that you face? I, I, you mentioned education probably is one of them. Like, what, what are the challenges on your way to give this access to AI to everyone? Yeah, I mean, you so, see? yeah, we definitely um, exist in an environment where either people kind of fit into two profiles, whether it's um, AI is something I'm super interested in, uh, but I just don't know where to start. Or mm -hmm. uh, AI is not something I'm interested in because I don't know where to start, <laughs> and uh, and it's funny because then you know they both these people sort of show up in our scope, I guess, as far as in our world of either they just come to the site or you know they contact us on our emails or customer service or something, and it's it is like okay, well, you need to know what the AI what AI can do because it's a buzzword, but there's still some thing, you know, certain problems AI is really good at and some things that AI either can't do or you can probably achieve with, without AI. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a, a whole other world of like um, RPA or like robot process automation that is, I think it's mixed with AI a, a lot. And there's obviously some mm -hmm. AI going on in some of those things, but a lot of those problems could be solved with that and maybe at a lesser mm. cost or lesser data cost or things like that. Um, so it is kind of like, tell me what you're interested in understanding the use cases. So we really push to uh, build out use cases on the, on the website and also talk to people who are building things and kind of promote them mm -hmm. so people can get a general understanding. Like I have a like a 10 point slide of all the sort of problems that you can solve on AI uh, on Peltarian and our classic AI problems with dealing with images and text and uh -huh. audio files. 
Uh, but not everyone has seen that slide, unfortunately. So I'm, I'm oh, trying wow. to show. I'm trying to show everyone I know. Is it shareable? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is shareable. Oh, amazing! Let's <laughs> let's just link it in the yeah. description. <laughs> and um, I, I'm super interested to see it as well. Yeah. So and that's just to get people started on like what's possible. Uh-huh. And obviously, there's uh, newer things out there around generation, like GPT three. That's stuff, and people will write into us and say like, "Great, I have this idea. I think GPT three can do it." And yeah, maybe, maybe not, but it's like, yeah, yeah people kind of take shots in the dark, you know, uh-huh. what they think they could do. So that takes a lot of courage, I think. So we try to help those people out. Uh, but then mm-hmm. there's obviously the other group of people who don't know where to start and they just have like not written AI off because they're still enter our orbit, I guess, or our space. Uh, but then that takes a lot of time to also get to that uh, of understanding hmm. what they could do. And then once you get to that stage, it's like the big bomb drops, which is Oh yeah, you need some data uh, to do, uh-huh. <laughs> to do this too. Uh, so we tried. We're trying a lot also to uh, kind of help with the education side and point people to tools that are out there. If we can't do it on the platform, uh, building data sets and mm-hmm. uh, you know what actually good what good data bad data is and how it's the whole process as well. Wow, super super interesting and so important what you say, like to explain to people what AI can or cannot do. Because it's such a buzzword. I mean, there's lots of hype still about around the AI, and many people kind of, you know, uh, take advantage of it. But then there are also lots of jokes how, you know, those companies just want to put AI into something, and you know, this was like this will magically solve all the problems. Yeah. Whereas in the reality, it it doesn't work like that. And many times, as you say, there is there might be a much simpler but much more robust solution. I don't know, like in my day-to-day, it's lots of stats, statistics that exist forever. Mm. <laughs> Solve those kind of problems sometimes much better than fancy fancy algorithms. Yeah. But yeah, and for, for sure, there are lots of applications that, as yeah, as we mentioned, not discovered yet where AI can be used, especially like if when you see how little data you need to, to fit a pre-trained model and get a really decent performance. Uh, it's crazy. Like when I just got into deep learning and started to to code, I think I had like 50 images that I just scraped from the internet and trade, uh, trained a, a convolutional net that was like 94% accuracy nice. with a very balanced data set. And it was like, wow, I, I could never imagine anything, anything like that. So I guess there is a lot of potential. Definitely. And so on, on that note, how, what, are, what are the most... Like in your own experience, what were the most exciting and interesting use cases that you've seen? Yeah, um, so there is one um, kind of team that we were partnering with uh, a kind of um, education or accelerator program uh, here in in Sweden called Hyper Ireland, and mm-hmm. uh, one of the, they have these uh, AI business consultant teams that they are training up, and they were doing a work on with uh, the, one of the cities here in Sweden. And I thought one of the very interesting use cases was uh, maybe being a father myself, it touched my heart, uh, but uh, they were working mm-hmm. with the kind of daycare system here, or at least in that city, on um, being able to do some sort of sentiment analysis on essentially the kids' reviews of the lessons on how they're feeling. Uh, thus, one, it was like a huge benefit because it, one, it helps direct the teacher on how the lesson is going. And, you know, okay, if they have these responses, like, and of course, you know, the teacher could read every one of them and then kind of process it. But then you have big classes and just alleviates the stress of the teacher to do all that stuff. And you can get some general analysis there. But on the flip side, one of the uh, other side benefits, or maybe the main benefit, depending on how you ask, was that the 
students, and these are, I, I don't know, probably from three to you know, 10 years old, for instance, uh, they mm-hmm. felt like they were uh, actively involved in the lesson or being able to participate in the crafting of the lesson. And that gave them a lot more confidence to approach that. And just to have this whole process of, okay, you go to, I think it was like a panel or an iPad and you know, provide some quick feedback. Uh, and then using an AI model to uh, digest that and say, okay, you know, this is the general feelings of the class or something like that. So I thought that was a very oh, interesting wow. um, use case. And again, something that you would never, as you know, someone like me who is probably you know more technically leaning uh, and haven't has not worked in a daycare, uh, uh-huh. would never think of uh, as being a use case for. Wow, wow, that's really interesting. Probably that's one of those cases where. Everyone has some experience in, in what they do, and, and many people have incredible experience that can be leveraged. Very good example, I think. Hmm. Any other one that comes to your mind? I, I've, I just find them very, like when you put examples on the table, it's myself, it, it, it inspires a lot to see you know, what, what other people uh, achieve with that. Yeah, yeah, we, we actually have a, a running a uh, startup accelerator program at the moment, so they are, uh, I've, I've got many different use cases to talk about with, with them, uh-huh. but um, there's been a couple of teams doing some stuff with like image classification. Uh, so for instance, uh, I'm working with a gentleman and he, his mom is running a, a company in India that's actually doing gooseberries. Uh, I don't know, you might want to link to a gooseberry <laughs> photo in the, uh-huh. the show notes because I don't know how many people are exposed to that. But yeah, she you know, goes around India and you know taking all these photos of these gooseberries and understands you know exactly what you know ripe gooseberries are and the different types. Uh, but he would like to sort of build a, an application or a model uh, where that you can just take a photo of the gooseberries and um, mm-hmm. you know you can be able to classify those things. And it's super interesting because it's a, a marriage of you know someone that's you know doing something already at least is sort of like collecting data and you know that's part of the process. Uh, and then also that you know sort of expert knowledge that we've been talking about, the expertise, but then, you know, here he is, uh, you know, uh, as a son, you know, I would like to you know, help my mom with AI kind of thing. Uh, uh-huh. and that's, a, you know, again, there's some of the potentials there. And, uh, you know, image classification is a very classic case for AI. And, you know, we have the models to support that on the platform. So, yeah, it's really, really inspiring stuff like that. that I think will be, again, a part of our everyday life, hopefully in, in the future where we can just look at processes that we do every day that are, that could be automated mm-hmm. or it could be we could get a machine to do way more efficiently than we can and have hopefully we have all the tools and the accessibility to do so. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Very long, very nice examples. And especially I, li- I always like examples of of the de- of more like developing countries where, where t- technology is used, because I think there is a great disproportion in how, you know, how we use tech. Although many people in Africa might have mobile phone, it, it's it's not the same. You know, the, the sometimes the level of education is not the same to be able to use the technology well, like or yeah. substantially today. And so all of those examples are are really amazing. And one of the one of another things that I wanted to speak with you about was okay, like we've talked about this bright side of democratization of AI. On the other hand, do you see some risks or dangers in in giving everyone access to it? Yes, certainly. Uh, that would be foolish for me to say not. There is obviously either over-reliance on predictions is, you know, probably the, the, the skin surface uh, issue, mm-hmm. you know, but I always talk to people when I'm 
talking uh, you know in the initial discussions of maybe them getting up on building something is you know you could have AI you know be the process itself or be a part of the process so AI can give you a prediction and you could have some sort of action that gets automated from that like let's say you could reject like in, in the world of insurance uh, yeah. you can reject someone's claim because you think that this is a duplicate ca- claim and the model has predicted seeing this for something or you can have as a you know part of the process where the model comes and says, you know, I have uh, you know, this level of confidence that this is a duplicate. And then you have someone uh, still go in and, and, you know, these get flagged for review. Uh, it depends on mm-hmm. again, how, you know, how uh, important or what I like to say the cost of prediction is as far as, you know, what actions are being taking place after that. Whether it's just like, you know, maybe in consumer products, it's just that it's an awkward moment for a, a customer because, the, you know, the prediction is wrong and they might write mm-hmm. you an angry email. Or in the case of medical technology, you know, someone could lose their life or, uh, you mm-hmm. know, a diagnosis could be wrong. And there's obviously ways that you need to approach uh, both those problems in quite different ways. It's not just uh, one way is uh, the right way to do that. So that's, you know, probably the skin surface, wrong predictions, but you can have serious consequences. And then obviously mm-hmm. the AI for evil uh, world of, uh, you know, doing anything, <laughs> anything evil to make these predictions, which I won't give anyone inspiration or ideas on doing. <laughs> here on this podcast or ever. Uh, but yeah, there's also another world of that. And we try, I mean, we have terms of services uh, on, on the platform, so you're not doing anything you know, evil or you know, military or weaponizing, you know, something like that. So, so we try to put that. So again, we know that you know, if you put a tool out there, there will always be someone that you know, takes the hammer, hits the nail, or takes the hammer and hits someone else with it. So uh, you, know, you have to have those yeah. regulations and eye towards those things. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I hope our listeners are are very good people. I hope that, so too. That do not use any <laughs> any evil <laughs> AI system or don't have an intention to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I guess that ethics play a big role here as well. For example, if we come back a little bit to the developing world, like as you said, the it, normally it's not just AI; it's complex systems. How people deploy deploy those models. And many times that prediction can can result in in someone else in, in someone not getting a credit in a bank or not getting a job because some system just made an output of of zero instead of one. Mm. And that's obviously very important and especially as more and more decisions are being made by AI automatically, it's uh, it's a big issue. And I also think a big issue is uh, you know there's there are many different forms of biases in in data or in in those kinds of systems one of them for example is representation bias in one of the episodes before we were talking about it was really really interesting uh, about ethical ai and that like there was an example which i found you know it's not funny at all there was a system that was like depixelizing images so if you have a very low resolution image it could make a high resolution image out of that and so I think it was Barack Obama or like a, when a black person was processed by the system, the, the output was was a white person, like was a white face. Uh, in some cases, it's just, you know, a very awkward and, and very bad, you know, coincidence. But if the if your life depends on it, if some decisions are being made about your 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 financial life, your education, your job, it's obviously a big, a big issue. Right. No, definitely. And that's why I think um the whole idea of democratizing AI is also rooted in, in the world of uh, AI ethics, because if you have more people participating and more diverse voices, 
you're less likely to have those mistakes or not necessarily less likely to have those mistakes, but less likely for those mistakes to hit a production system and be out there, uh, you know, making decisions for that. So I think it's also a very nice tie in, um, mm-hmm. to, the, to that theme. Yeah. And, and, and Peltarian, like, uh, is there any process in place how you at least try to ensure that the AI is made is being used ethically? Uh, I mean, we have materials and we try to push people for uh, in a knowledge center about the ideas of what AI ethics mm-hmm. is and also showing um, some things within our uh, tutorials and stuff like that on you know what the proper production is. And when we have ever have um, businesses that use our uh, system in our onboarding process, we also speak to those uh, points. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, we can't uh, hyperly control everyone doing something on there and, you know, look at all of their, you know, results and say, no, this is wrong. Uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, we can't be a complete arbiter of all of that. But uh, yeah. and we do, again, get involved with those discussions and make sure, mm-hmm. again, and we have some terms of service. So if we do detect uh, that there's some violation of that, then yeah. we, we reserve the right to remove those, you know, either data sets or that user. Um, so that's kind of where we draw the line on those types of things. Oh, great. Great, great, great. I know it's, and it's, normally it's not someone evil <laughs> who who does a mistake. It's just people who don't really understand completely what are they doing, or they're not t- too familiar with the with the problem that they're trying to solve, and you know that's those kinds those kinds of things. Actually, I've been thinking about one one more thing. You know, being uh, employed in data, what will happen to data scientists and data analysts? Will we disappear when AI gets democratized? I don't think so. I think there will always be a uh, place for data scientists. And I mean, even data scientists use our platform because it's, it's great to mm-hmm. make uh, quick experiments on, you know, uh-huh. whatever the things are. And that's another kind of benefit for a tool like Baltarian is, um, you know, again, since it's a no-code platform, you don't need to go in and, you know, fire up your uh, environment and all that to actually get, get started with that. So if you do have uh, and again, in this tool in the hands of an expert is actually like a Ferrari version where uh, you can uh, you know build your own custom models and you even download the model once you've completed the, that and you can put it in your code. Uh, so it's still going to be a room for that because there'll still be groundbreaking things that need to be involved with. But I think what's nice is that we will remove the congestion from those individuals and be able to for them to do maybe not say more impactful work, but uh, maybe more innovative work uh, that mm-hmm. might be needed for the organization. While you know maybe your your standard sort of classification problems or analysis problems or even um, tablet working with tabulator can be done by that individual who's working with the data itself and not needing to employ a whole data science team to do so. Mm-hmm. And do you see some jobs emerging? Maybe in your day to day, you see some use cases where. Maybe not an entirely new job, but some new tasks emerge where you can imagine this will develop into a job. In the yeah, future. I, I do imagine um, if the world of generative um, AI it, it keeps to expand, I do imagine that they will be a role for people who are great at building prompts to those models, uh, because those are all predicated on you writing a prompt or you're writing a description or something like that to get the best results from uh, the model. And I already see just from talking to people who have worked with GPT-3 and have that, you know, even production products out there that they're offering, you know, consultative services and things like that to other people who are interested. So I think that will be a definitely a new job and probably not just in the generative world, but AI in uh, as a whole, uh, that there's mm-hmm. people who are able to 
frame uh, the problems into AI problems. And I don't think uh, the world of consultancy addresses that in a way. I think you know, there uh-huh. will be, you know, obviously enterprises that need to want to have, you know, a team of consultants they hired and say that they've done that. Uh, but I do think there will be ways where internal people will be dedicated uh, inside companies to to do that for them. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also being right now a data analyst, scientist, machine learning engineer, you need to understand the problem very well. That's why the domain knowledge is so important. I guess it will become even more important later as you don't have to focus that much maybe on the technical side, but framing the problem is a, is a very important skill. So yeah, very definitely. good advice for for everyone who is starting out in data or, or is employed right now. It was a very, very, very interesting discussion. I find the topic incredibly inspiring and, uh, you know, no one knows how it will evolve. It evolves very rapidly. Yeah, for sure. Lots of lots of progress coming soon. Uh, thank you a lot, Corey, for for being our guest. Before I let you go, this is your minute of glory right now. As I said, Corey also hosts a podcast, so it might be the right time to to mention that and do a self-promotion. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, it's uh, called The Maker Show, M-A-I-K-E-R-S. Uh, so mm, I don't know if it's Maker Show or Micro Show, depending on what language <laughs> you speak. Uh, but um, yeah, so we, uh, me and a friend, we are interviewing people who are building AI-powered products. Uh, and I we found, and especially working with people that are working on the platform as well, there's this idea that you know AI is only reserved for our academics to doing research papers or you know enterprise companies you know you google facebook apple what have you to do ai in, in production but you know there's actually a lot of people who are individuals or small team startups maybe two or three people who are building ai products either whether they're side businesses full-time uh startups mm-hmm. or just again like bootstrap businesses because there's this accessibility to ai models now has exploded so i really mm-hmm. wanted to help tell those people's stories to also really inspire other people to do the same because I think ultimately the more AI products that are out there, uh, the better because then we can get a better understanding of, you know, what works and what doesn't work. Can we get to the table, uh, more people to the table talking about AI ethics, for example. Um, so yeah, tune in. I will, it's Maker Show, M-A-I-K-E-R-S, show.com and uh, Maker Show on Twitter as well. Amazing. I'll leave the link in the description and for sure you have one more listener. Thanks. Me. <laughs> Thanks a lot for joining us and and yeah, have a beautiful day. Perfect. Thank you for having me.